I can't tell you how good it is to be here. I, I was here one other time. I don't remember, but just we've prayed for you guys a lot. So seeing, uh, <laughs> you know, remember seeing in uh, anybody know the movie? It's a Wonderful Life. There's that one scene where uh, I can't remember how it goes exactly, but it's you know you get the whole Potter Bank thing and you get all this stuff. And uh, <clears throat> I think he says. Uh, this, this town needs this little stinking little savings alone if it just, you know, so nobody goes running a potter. I just feel like this church has been a lighthouse in this place. And when you started it, I mean, God had a call in it, but we had no idea what it's going to look like X amount of years later. And it needs this church, needs you, needs you to be following Jesus and all the struggles. Matt, I love that song, but I'm like, set my heart on you. Yeah, I want to, <laughs> I have, but you know, I don't know about you. I, I feel like sometimes my faith sputters. I know God's faithful. I'm, I'm, I'm less, less certain about me. I want to. So I think what we're going to hear today is a pretty strong message. It really comes right from the Sermon on the Mount. So I'll go back even review a couple things in here. But I just want to say this. God knows exactly where you are. And he's not, he did not call you because you had it all figured out. Uh, not in the beginning and not now. And you don't have to. But all our life is really about following him. And he leads us in destinations and places we can never expect. But I would say, he is faithful, and he will lead you. And it's in our very weakness and our brokenness that he gets seen. So I think I titled this, You Don't Need to Be Anxious. And I'm like, well, I just wish it was that easy. <laughs> I do. So it's, it's, it's quite a t- I, I actually, I, I don't think I ever thought I, I worried until I realized I did. And it's a little bit older when that happened. I, so I would say, if you ask me if I were, I said, no, I, I don't worry. I just think about things a lot. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so that I can't sleep. <laughs> think about. So that we, we call that denial, Jeff. Of course, there's uh, various degrees of, of worry, isn't there? Uh, some of us, we wonder what people are thinking about us when fill in the blank. It's almost a subconscious thing. We're just always aware of people out there, and they're always got thoughts. We just don't, but we, we always wonder what that is, but we wouldn't call that worry. Some of us, it has to do with, I mean, just normal stuff of life. Will I have enough money for this month's bills, for college, for retirement? Uh, raise your hand. How many of you have money saved for retirement, and the money that you have now is greater than it was a year ago? So I knew I'd catch you in the second part. <laughs> It just isn't. So it just makes us like, what? okay, what? Because we, some of us, it's, uh, did I study enough for this test? Will my, will my loved one recover from this serious illness? Will my, will my kids, when they get older, will they, will they follow the Lord? Will they now? What's going to happen? So we got small concerns, big concerns. We all have them. And whether you think that you struggle with being anxious or not, I, I believe that we all do in some way. I think that's why Jesus addresses it in the middle of this sermon. Uh, I think we also all want to be better than we are. Or we, let me say this, we all project better than we are. And we don't have to with him. So that's why Jesus puts it right in here. And in fact, when we read it in a moment, you can see three times he says, don't be anxious. So it's, it's, it's clearly a theme, but what I want to notice, um, and I should thank 
Brad, I don't know if you put it together, the outline thing or whatever. I didn't send it to you guys in a good format, so you kind of rescued that. I, I appreciate that. I just want to begin with a couple questions before we read the text. Don't be anxious. You go like, why does he say that? And then, why wouldn't I be anxious? There's a lot of things unsettled. There's a lot of things I don't know. I mean, you think about situations in your life, they're just... And I think that's, the pandemic's actually, so there's a lot of things that went on in the pandemic that were like just screwed up. There's a lot of the things that were actually helpful to us because we realized how little control we actually have. We never had it. But particularly as Americans, we've always acted like we do. And we act like I should figure this out. I should know the solution. And I, we don't even realize how we approach things. I, I would say, the word I use is we're practical atheists. We act as if God's not involved here. And I got to figure this out. And we don't want to be that way. So why wouldn't I be anxious? And secondly, let's notice as we go through this, what does Jesus tell us to do instead? Because he does. He, he says some, some things there. Um, and then what I want to do is I, I just rem- want to remember the context. So we're going to pick up the reading here in a moment, chapter 6, about halfway, well, more than halfway through, verse 25. But this is, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. So we're going through that. This is a church preaching through Matthew. I've just, I have loved studying this sermon. I've been rebuked by it so many times. I mean, I'm like, man. Um, but I think today, uh, for us, there might be some, some correction. But I think there'll be some great encouragement for us. So what I want to do is just kind of connect some thoughts that he said earlier. And I'm not going to read these per se, but if you have your Bibles open, which I love it when you do. I mean, it's good. You just follow along. I... Um, so if you just look at chapter 6, well, I should say, the, the whole sermon opens up with the Beatitudes. And we kind of like, I don't know if you've ever, you read them, blessed are, names all these things. You're like, how does this connect to the whole rest of the sermon? We kind of take them as, as a one-off. I would suggest to you that what Jesus is doing here, and you see this throughout this sermon, and sometimes I use the words, the blessed attitudes, there's something that he says here that I think is the doorway to the rest of the sermon. And what he's speaking of throughout Matthew, but this sermon, is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, which sounds like this big weird thing. But essentially what Jesus is doing, he says in the sermon, um, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, which sounds super confusing because like these guys are like, they're, they're just, they concentrate on doing, 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 doing. And basically, you know, it's a facade. How does it exceed that? And then he also says, I didn't come to abolish the law and prophets. I came to fulfill it. This in the middle of the sermon. It's supposed to be kind of confusing things. So what's he talking about here? Essentially, it's this. The kingdom of God comes right through our hearts. And it actually gets seen how we live this out. And, and Jesus is showing us all the way through. He's showing us a relationship with the Father that, that's so unusual. And I, so in our, in our culture today, people criticize organized religion all the time. They just do it all the time. It's just an easy target to criticize organized religion. I mean, it's like, of course. People are, we're messed up. So the church is full of messed up people, of course. But they criticize it as if you, you throw it out. When you read the New Testament, it was messed up then too, right? I mean, all the churches were. Are you guys getting drunk at communion like Corinth? I don't know. They just, they did all kinds of, that's why we serve grape juice as Baptists or whatever, you know. We've, but it's just like, they got all these things going on. And so that's what people are. But we want to project better than we are. We just, we just aren't, we, 
we're here because we need this Savior. So what Jesus is trying to do is show the kingdom of God, it's almost counterintuitive. It just goes a whole different way, and it comes into actually changing our hearts. And when you read the Sermon on the Mount, you're like, that's impossible. How, How do I love my enemy? How do I forgive? Like, exactly. You can't. But this is what Jesus does. And so that's why he starts with blessed are um, the poor in spirit, the meek. That means proud people just don't get in the kingdom. And I'm proud. I'm selfish. We don't get, there's got to be a humbling that goes on. And throughout this sermon, this whole thing that we actually need him. I mean, we actually need him. We don't just pray. We need him. And things like the, when God takes us low and physical, we, you know that. We know it's good to actually know that I need him. Uh, blessed are those who mourn. This means people walk around sad all the time. People are different. So those who mourn over sin. The sin that's out there, my own. And it, they'll be satisfied. Satisfied is because this is what Jesus has done. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Is that what I hunger and thirst for? I want to. Or maybe it's more honestly, I want to want to. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. He's got all these things that he describes out there. And all I want to say to you, I mean, I'm going to read that list and go, I don't know that I'm any of those. Do you desire to be? And this is what he does in us. He makes his children like this. There's a way in which this whole thing is a growing dependence on him. He does that. So then he, you know, the sections where he says, um, you've heard it said, but I say to you. So he's going through all the Old Testament law. And you said, you heard it said, don't murder. I'm, yeah, I don't murder anybody. I'm okay. And he's basically cutting down all the people who think they're good enough. That's us. And I said, you don't be angry in your heart. Don't, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I said, man, if you've lusted in your heart after a woman, you've done the same thing. So he's going after all these things in here. Love your, I say to you, love your enemies. How does, how's that go on? It, it will not happen. It will not happen without huge change within us. And that's what he aims for in this. So this whole anxiousness thing is part of that. That's what he aims for. He gets to chapter six. And there's this beautiful thing. Do you know, when Jesus talks about God Almighty, you know what word he uses all the time? All the time. What's he use for God Almighty? Father. Continually, my Father, my Father. And we come to chapter 6, he keeps talking about our Father in heaven. So what he, you know, we all got dads that were whatever they were. We, they may have been tried, but I just say this. <clears throat> the Father you always want, and God the Father is unlike any human father there is. All our Father's good qualities are, are little aspects of God, but they're all flawed men as much as they try. But God the Father, and he's there in heaven. He loves his children and he goes through and he says that again and again. And so this is where he's describing this, the righteousness of the Pharisees. And, you know, because they, they, they want to do things so people see them. Well, it's not like we don't struggle with that. <laughs> Someone watching me when I lift my hands or have I given enough here? I mean, we're just aware of people. And what he's talking about, it's so many times he says this. He talks about your father. So he talks about this with uh, giving and praying and fasting. He uses this terminology. I don't know if you've seen it here. In chapter 6, your father sees you, and he knows you. He says your father sees in secret. And a lot of times we'll read that in there in chapter 6 and go like, yeah, you better watch out. I don't, did you ever hear that little Sunday school thing? Be careful, little hands, what you do. 
Be careful. That's how we feel like God is. That's not what, that's, that is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying he, he, he sees you. All the stuff, in, he sees you. He loves you. He's your father. And then it says he knows you. And I'll tell you, one of the phrases that come out to me, this one, that I think of all the times in my prayers, he knows what you need before you ask. So some people go like, you know, they wrestle with God's sovereignty and all this. They're like, well, if he already knows what I need for asking, why do I even ask? That's not what Jesus is saying, is he? What's he saying? You can come and talk to him because he actually knows it already. It's an invitation to the Father. And some of us will, will stand back from all this, but he's calling us, he's calling us in. When he comes to the Lord's Prayer, and he, teach, he teaches us to pray to our Father in heaven, and he says, um, oh, give us this day our daily bread. Why does he say that? <laughs> I remember reading that going, I never ask God for daily bread. I know where to get it. Well, I would ask God for what I know that I know how to get, right? Why would I do that? Why would we do that? It's actually arrogance on my part to like to provide all my needs. But how many of us would say like, there's things I don't ask God for that I really should. When he's saying that, he's just basically saying, you can talk to God about anything and everything, and you should. Do you get the relational language of all this? Jesus is, this whole sermon is about knowing the Father, but it's actually walking into his presence and being loved by him and following him, and that's where the change is coming. It's, 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 in, it's overwhelming, all this. All that is really the backdrop to this. Except, oh, I forgot one part. The paragraph right before this one. He talks about uh, not laying up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Probably some of us have memorized that at different places. You kind of go like, okay, <laughs> one, two, I want a treasure in heaven. Um, notice, I'm going to read this first. Notice this. Am I doing this right for the read? Yeah. Okay, I'm, 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 that was big context. Now we're coming right in here. No one can serve, this is the verse right before. No one can serve two masters, it's 24, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, and what's the next word? Therefore, that's our text. Now think about this for a moment. He's talking about treasuring God or treasuring money and possessions, why does he say, therefore, don't be anxious? I want to provoke you a little bit here. So do you have Bibles that have subheadings in them? So they're like the little things, okay? Ignore them when you read them. Sometimes they're not helpful. And this is one where it's not helpful. Okay, so therefore is a connection. We take these like little chunks and we read them separate. Therefore connects it. So... When he says you can't serve two masters, you can't serve God and, and money or possessions, then therefore, how are these connected? And so here's what I wonder. I wonder if what I'm anxious about is then an indicator of what I'm actually treasuring or desiring or pursuing. And in that way, that thing becomes a master over me. Think about that. I've, I think that's what Jesus is doing there. Okay, I may have just thrown out too many thoughts to think about. But I think that's what he's doing. 
So let me say, as part of my prayer this whole day, as I, I come in here, so I, I did preach this uh, at Sawyer, whatever, but I'm like, there's a bunch of things in my heart that God did when I was preaching. So I'm like, <clears throat> I'm praying when, when God asked to come here. So I want to I pick something from the Sermon on the Mount. It's praying about this sermon. I don't know what God has for it, but I've, I've been praying for you because I don't, God knows what's going on, I don't. But I'm praying that you won't just hear the word preached. I pray that you would hear the Lord today and God would speak to you because he, he knows you. He knows what you need before you ask. So I do wonder that. Maybe, maybe that thing I'm anxious about or I think about, and again, remember, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a worry denier, okay? But it's really there. It's in all of us. I wonder if that is, sometimes it masters me. So we're going to notice why, what he says here. Why wouldn't I be anxious? What does Jesus tell us to do instead? And I will say, it is a call coming to him. All right, with that said, let's read the text. And Rich, do you, do you stand when you read that? Okay. So if, you, if you're okay, if you're able to stand, would you stand with me? Um, doing that as a distinction from the, the preached word to this being, uh, this is God's word that I'm going to read here. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow it's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. There it is again, right? He knows you. He knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let's pray as we stand. Father, again, we ask this simply, that you would help us hear you and that we would receive and respond to you as would be good for us. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so uh, I don't want to entertain you, um, and I don't want to be too technical, but I want to notice, this is the way Rich and I do this, I think, I want you to notice things in the text, because the text drives us. There's basically two commands here. Now, I don't know if you notice them, but he is repeated. Verse 25, 31, 34, do not be anxious about anything. Now, we're going to know what that's rooted in. Because I just, I, easy to say, wish it was true, and it's only true if I'm a denier. But he says, don't be anxious about anything. There's one other command. He says just one at a time. But seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. And it's interesting, and we'll get to it. It's a but. So it's a contrast. It's not this, but this. 
So do not be anxious. I want to say that's kind of like, a, how, do I, how do I not do something that's all, all the time there? How do I not? Well, he's going to give us some reasons for it. It's basically an orientation. But the one call is seek it his kingdom first and his righteousness. And he, that one comes with a promise. All these things will be added to you. So it's very interesting the way this is set up. Okay, next stuff I'm just rolling, right? I mean, I don't think you had, yeah, okay. So what I'm going to do, sometimes we call this structure. I'm just, I just want you to follow the flow of thought. So what I'm going to do is kind of summarize each verse just so we can see how Jesus is doing that, and then we're going to walk through it a little more detailed. So he starts off with this command, don't worry about food, clothing, and life. And then he gives us an illustration about our father's care for birds. Might be, I might call it, it's a parable. We'll walk into that. Then he talks about the futility of worry, and then he goes back to our father's care for, for flowers. Then he repeats the command. So it's almost like stanzas. He repeats it, don't worry about food or clothing, verse 31, and then he says there's a comparison going on. When he talks about the Gentiles, I'll just say the godless, those who don't care about him, he says the, the, the Gentiles are actually seeking these things, and one part of the comparison is they're seeking, they're striving, and your father knows you need them. The other part of the contrast is then the command, but seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, it comes with a promise, and then I think the refrain, kind of the summary, live for today, don't worry about tomorrow, okay? So I think I put it up here. Sometimes we try to kind of boil it down. What's, what's the main thing he's saying here? What, what's the main deal? And that's how I wrote it. You don't need to be anxious about taking care of yourself. You don't need to. Because you know your Father cares for you. Now, once again, I'll say this. You can know it up here, and Jesus is going to give us some handles so we'd know it right here. Um, so that's kind of the main thing. But whenever there is, there's, there's some type of response or transformation that I think is being aimed at. I put it, desire God's kingdom and the way of living above all. Now notice I use the word desire. He says, seek it. And we'll come to back that a little bit later. All right. That's the flow of thought. Let's walk through it. You still with me? Okay. So, command, don't worry. About your life, food, clothing. Life is more than that. Why, why does Jesus go there? Why does he talk about that? It's, it's the basic stuff of life, right? If you go back and think about your week, I mean, this is the stuff that consumes all our mental attention. Uh, somebody did the grocery shop and someone complained about prices. Though eggs came back. That's pretty awesome. But I mean, you, go, you just go, man, that bill went up. I got my tax bill in. That thing's up. You're, whether, maybe you're planning for whatever you, you know, if you get older in life, you're kind of watching that, that swing of investments or whatever. And like, what can I do? I can't do anything about this. All, there's all these things that go on. Maybe it's the, just the busyness of life and schedule. There's all kinds of things. That's what, if you think about your everyday conversation home or with whoever you're talking with, it's that, that kind of stuff in life. That's, that's where we live and move and breathe. It's right there. And it can tend to get us to be anxious. But notice Jesus doesn't say, just stop it, does he? Is that Bob Newhart? Is that, have you guys seen that one, that counseling one? He didn't say to stop it. He's, what he does, he's showing his disciples the Father's care. Now, probably most of us, I don't know you, but I bet if, I walk, if you walked in and greeted your door, and I said, hey, do you know that Jesus loves you? You go, yep. I think everybody would say that. Disciples say, know that? So he's trying to bring this in a way that's actually experiential for, that, for us. So how about this? During the week, do I believe that? 
Do I think about that? Do I consciously remember it? And I, I'll just say, I need help here. So God gave us help. Here's, I don't know if you notice this. Let's, I'm going to read verse 26 again. Here's one of the helps. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They don't. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Look at what Jesus is saying. The birds don't act like farmers. They're not planting a crop. They don't store up a stash for winter like squirrels do. Are those good things or bad things? Good? Those are good things, right? They don't do those things. They don't plan ahead. They don't, he says, yet your father feeds them. And he says, and you're much more valuable than they are. You're his child. You're not a, you're not a bird. You're made in his image. And the father takes care of birds. You can count on this. He's going to take care of you. But here's the thing. We end up depending on our plans, don't we? It's not bad to plan. Uh, the proverb, consider the ant, oh slugger. You know, the, the ant's storing away. It's not bad. It's what I'm depending on. What do I depend on? We, we depend on our, upon our planting, our storing up. And sometimes those plans get blown up, don't they? I did all these things that are gone. And then what happens? So I'm going to suggest to you that birds are God's reminder of how much he cares for you. So this is what I want to challenge you. I remember this hit me during the pandemic. I don't know if you remember this. It was, yeah, it was three years ago. Wow, we're probably right about when it, when it came out, right? Probably, yeah, probably right about now. And uh, it was such a weird time. I was actually in Brazil with a whole bunch of guys from different, we were doing a word partners thing and um, guys were trying to get home. And I remember Pastor Rob and I were talking back and forth. What are we going to do? And I, th I think this Sunday was the last Sunday we met as a church. I think, you know, now we had these things. You can't meet in certain size groups. I think they actually limited that first, that Sunday. Pretty soon it was like, you know, I don't know, get 10 people in the building. And we were like, everybody's like, everybody's freaking out. So, but one of the things, um, the only thing you could do is like get outside. So I probably walked more than I ever walked. And again, it's spring. My wife loves to walk. I love my wife, so I walk with her. I hate walking, but I love her, so we, we walk. But this is when it hit me. It was actually this verse. So again, it's springtime, and even today the snow fell, and um, you can hear birds, and they're singing. Now, I remember this striking me then. So it's this time of, I mean, everybody's anxious, and it was this verse that, that hit me. What are the birds doing? They're singing. Now, here's how I want you to hear them. Every time you hear birds, you say, they are reminding you that God cares for you. That's what they're doing. This is the way, this is, they're one part of creation. Creation declares his glory. Birds are telling you that every time you hear them. Tune in. That, that's what, that's Jesus' parable here. I'm worrying, and I'll tell you this, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be worrying about something, and then you're going to hear a bird, and you go like, that's God, that's, that's God's call. He's just reminding you. That's his parable. He put in creation for us. I love, I think last week you celebrated communion, right? I think. So he gives us tangible things to remind us. He, it's, it's the bread, the broken body. It's the cup, the spilled blood. God does that for us because you know what he knows? We are great forgetters. <laughs> I know all this stuff. I can preach it strong Monday. You know who's going to be the biggest person struggling with anxiousness tonight or tomorrow? Probably me. But, you know, he puts them in. They're just, he cared. 
He puts them in simply to remind us because we forget all the time. And we want to act on what's true. I don't want to act on my emotions all the time, right? But I want to say to you, so when you hear them, just hear that from the Father because that's exactly what they are. But it's also God's love and care for you to send that to you. And here's, I'll predict this. You pay attention. God's going to do that sometime when you don't, and you're going to really need it. You heard a bird and it reminded you of God's care for you at a time when you need it. That's, that's what he's like. So I call that the bird parable. I love, I love verse 27 because here he's going through the benefits of worry. Worry is awesome for you. Here's what he says. Hey, note, <laughs> I mean, Jesus says, uh, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to your life? He's just showing us the futility of it. There, there's no benefit. You know, you know what worry gets you? Nothing. It's nothing good. So we know that Jesus is kind of like pulling the silliness of that out there or the futility out there right between these couple of parables. It's, it, does no, it does no good for us. Can't add, a, can't add an hour. Can't accomplish anything for us. It's, it's fruitless. And then he takes us into our Father's care for flowers. I'm going to read 28 through 30. Interesting language use. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil nor spin. So in other words, they're not making their own clothes. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if, the, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, think of Middle East and hot places, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Some really interesting language used here. I don't know if you ever watched. Anybody go on springtime walks? Watch. You could be a guy and raise your hand. We won't make fun of you. Anybody do this? See the wildflowers? Wow, there's not that many? Or most of you not playing? Okay, how many of you ever walk and see wildflowers? You look for them. Okay, that was a little better. Um, I never cared about wildflowers until I cared about my wife. Um, she loves that stuff. So I learned flowers I didn't even know existed. But because of that, in the springtime we go along, and I, probably one of my favorite, and everybody knows them, is trillium. It comes out this big, it's a triangle. But when it comes up, there's like this, when you watch wildflowers, it, it's like a stalk at first. And if you're not familiar with them, it's kind of fun to watch. Hey, wonder what this one is, you know? So the may apple comes out, or the jack in the pulpit. I think blood roots already come out so far. But you, you kind of watch them doing something. But it's kind of the thing that Jesus talked about. At first, it's just this stalk. And then as it grows, God's the one causing the growth and just unfolds. There's a beauty. And wildflowers come out before the leaves of the trees do, usually about a month, most of them. Because when those leaves come out, they're, they're uh, it's like an umbrella hiding on the sunshine. But these wildflowers early on, they are just soaking it up for all the leaves come out. So when you get out there, you just see, someplace you see carpets of this. And it's, it's that time of year when you see it, because they're the one things out there. And it's, I mean, it's beautiful. And this is what he, this is the parable he's using now. The beauty. 
So it's not just the functionality of clothing. It's the beauty that God's giving. And I would say again, this one is to remind us, man, if God grows lilies and he provides for their, your, their beauty, how much more will he not provide for you? And what's the phrase? I'm going to ask you now. I'm not being rhetorical. He uses the phrase for us in verse 30. How much more will he clothe you? What's the phrase he uses? Oh, you little faith. What's he saying there? What's his tone of voice? Is he like spanking them, saying like, you big ninnies. You like, what's his tone? There's a tenderness here. He, <laughs> I, there's a couple places he calls us that. I'm like, yeah, I know better. But sometimes I act, I act, I'm little faith. I don't, I don't think any, anything I've ever done is because I got a lot of faith. I got a lot of people in my life got a lot more faith than me. You don't have to have a lot of faith. We all got little faith. He's not spanking us. He just reminds us of who God is. And that's really this whole sermon. I get, I'm used to stepping back in my, my place. I want to step over something. Um, he's calling us into a relationship with the Father. I don't think there's any spanking going on. There's no calling us names. But he's trying to reason with us. He's actually... My creation is speaking my glory in so many ways. That was a great song to sing or whatever, you know, but like there's reminders of God's care for us out there that he's put out there. Birds and flowers, let them be that way for you. Just like communion, just like this, let them be reminders. They will be. They're meant to be. All of creation is declaring his glory. And I would say these two, in his glory, it's his love, God's love for his children. Let him be that for you. Okay. So then he repeats the command. Therefore, don't be worrying about food or clothing. It's the therefore. Okay, because of this, you don't need to. Now, verse 32. Here's his contrast. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it again, but what I want you to notice, when he used the word Gentiles, we could substitute the word, um, the Gentiles in this case are those who were godless. They had no orientation for God. So I'm going I'm to use the illustration of them versus uh, God's children here. Here we are. So, therefore, don't be anxious about these things. What should we eat? What should we drink? What should we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all those things, yet your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Do you get the contrast? There, so actually, the word seek here is slightly different than the word seek in the next one. But this kind of seeking, they are striving after these things. You don't have to. Because your Heavenly Father, God Almighty, who's also your Father, He knows that you need Him. And He's reasoned through, like, if He cares for, for birds and if He cares for flowers, how much more are you? We can, we can, we can grasp that. See, just in, in profound way, He's trying to show them, you don't have to do that. They do. They're living without God. Their life depends upon themselves the way they have it. They've got to strive after these things. They demand them. Because you know what? Without God, it's up to me, right? I mean, i got to solve this. Whatever it is. How about this? You ever live like that? <laughs> I do. So there's, there's actually a, while it's a reminder, he's also remind. I mean, there's a, it's a temptation that we, we all face that if I operate like it's up to me, I'm just living like a spiritual orphan. 
And that's not what he's calling us to. It, it's, it's pretty profound here as he's talking about this, this way we relate. So think about the ways that you might live as if it's up to you. The problems that you have to solve. Doesn't mean you don't use the mind God's given you. But how many times have you been going on or you got this thing all figured out and it just blows up? It just blows up. God being mean to you? I, I think what happens... You ever seen the cup of water, the, the shaking of the cup? You ever done that one? I should have done that. Um, I think when that happens, it's, it's actually God's call to us to remind us, lean into him. So whatever that problem is, that obstacle, that's what he wants. I don't ask God for daily bread enough because I think I, I need it. There's a confrontation. The Gentiles, they seek after these things because it's, it's all up to them. You don't have to. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows what you need before you ask. So I'll, I guess I'll do this. We'll just imagine it. I usually do this and I pull someone up. Um, so I pull someone up here and I have a glass of water in their hand and they're holding this glass of water. And they'll, they'll be up here with you. And so while they're holding it, I'll grab their hand. And I shake their hand. I shake it hard. So what happens, it's always someone I like. <laughs> There's water all over them. So then you go like, so why, why is there water all over them? I go, Man, because you shook his hand. That's not why. Why is there water on him? Because there's water in the cup. Could be orange juice in the cup and be orange juice on them. What's the illustration? See, our lives all get shaken. That one's going on. It's going to happen somewhere. What's going to come out of you? What's inside there? In that sense, that's what he's saying here. You got to know your father loves you. So this seek him, him first. Is, you just walk right in with him. You can talk to him about anything. He wants you to. He, he, he does. And this whole life of being self-reliant, which we are prone to, and especially as Americans prone to. we got so many things, but we can figure it out so we don't depend on him. God's just a crutch. You ever hear that one? Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> of course he made us in his end. He made us to reflect him. He made it. We need him. That's a bad thing? No, that's a good thing. It's, it's arrogant to think that I don't. Blessed are the meek. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the poor in spirit. Pride, pride will keep you away from God. And that's, that's basically what's going on with the Pharisees. Because you know what they're projecting? I got it together. Dude, the rest of you guys, <laughs> I don't know about you guys. That's the whole log and the speck thing that he goes on earlier. Now, we're all prone to that, though. It's a good thing to just be confessionally, Lord, man, I, I need you. And I'd say when I don't do that, I've resisted him. I've acted like these Gentiles who strive after all these things because it's up to them. It's just up to them. Uh, straight up, when I'm studying this, I need that word. Straight up, I, I act, uh, I was telling somebody this this weekend on a men's retreat, I said, I remember when I was 30, in my 30s, I used to think like, there's pretty much nothing I, I can't do. I, mean, I, I can do it. I, I can fix, I don't want to fix a car, but I can learn it. I'm no good at it, but I could learn it. I mean, I pretty much thought, I didn't even realize how arrogant it was. But I, I really, 
I really thought that. <clears throat> God had to lay me low a couple times. Uh, the way I say it is, uh, there's a season I didn't know I was going to make it through. And um, kind of one of my besetting temptations, I just want to quit. <laughs> I, I'm done. And uh, it was a couple years, really dark. And this is the way I say it. God made me depend on him. He made me. I wasn't going there. I am, I don't know. I guess we all got it in certain ways, but I'm one of the more self-reliant people there are in this building. I just, my nature. I'm, I'm a planner, I'm a thinker, I'm all that. And so there's a, it's okay, there's a gift in it. It doesn't matter how you're wired that way. But am I dependent on that? Yep. So I was confronted in the whole thing about daily bread. I realized I don't ask God for that because I know how to get it. Why would I ask God for stuff I don't know how to get? When I already, I know. And all he's doing is he wants us to talk to him about everything. And, and seriously, at this season of my life, that's what I'm trying to do. Talk about everything all day long. Because ultimately, that's what he wants to walk with him. He, he's not looking for this, this outward, I got it all together. You know, this, it'd be a good Christian. I need to have this all together. You know, I need to project a good witness and whatever we want to say. No, actually, a life that's a little bit broken and dependent on him might reflect him way better than the one that's got it all together. Give me an amen on that one. I mean, here it is, true. That's what he's saying here to us. So if the Lord's speaking to you about your own self-reliance, you talk to him about it and repent of it. Because that will, that will keep us out of the kingdom. He says that plenty of places. And I just want to be, I, the Lord's confronted me on that one. I'm hardwired for that. Okay, so the other contrast. Gentiles, because it's up to them, godless, they got to strive for this, but you know, your Heavenly Father knows what you need already. He knows it. That's the contrast. But then there's, but seek first. So that's a con. This is the orientation. What do I do then? It's one thing that don't be anxious. I think this is the next big contrast in terms of what he's calling us to. Verse 33. I guess we sang it. Some of you got it memorized. Um, I, I'm not done exploring what this verse means in my mind. Okay? But he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I just want to note a couple things. We do see that there's a promise connected to the command, right? So if I'm, I'm seeking here, this is all going to be added. So he's already assured me that anyway in terms of my, my heavenly father's love for me. But it's seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that mean? What does that mean? Now, I'm not sure I'm done exploring it. But first has got to mean this is my priority, at least that, right? This is, this is the place I want to be. So here's how I'd understand his kingdom and his righteousness in, in light of this whole sermon. His kingdom would be, this is where Jesus reigns and rules in my life. So think of the Lord's Prayer, which is earlier here. He teaches disciples how to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy be your name. What's in the next line? Your kingdom come your will be done. Where? On earth. Just like it is in heaven. So think about that phrase. What do you mean the king come? Now I just want you to come back, Jesus. Would you come back and clean up this mess? Sure, it's got that in there. But I think it's deeper than that. Your kingdom come. Like, see, talking about just when Jesus returns? Are you talking about right now? It's both and. 
Your kingdom come where? On earth. Just like it is in heaven. What's on earth? Oh, on the planet. Yeah, it's my life. It's everywhere I am on this earth. So this is how I've kind of changed my prayers thinking through this one. This is seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Jesus, would your kingdom come? Would your rule be in my life and in my marriage? Would you rule right there? In this selfish life, would you do that with my anxiousness? Would you do that in the workplace with me? Would you do this at school or whatever? Would would your kingdom come? The kingdom is the way in which Jesus reigns as king. Everything's submitted to him. It's demonstrated in my life. And so praying like this stinks because I've got to repent a lot. (laughs) I'm walking with my wife. Oh, man, I love her, and she drives me crazy. It was a week ago, and uh, we're walking, and um, (laughs) I said this two weeks ago. If you really want to grow in your marriage, ask your spouse, hey, is there anything about me you'd like to change? (laughs) If you have the guts and courage, you might hear some things. So we actually had had, had a conversation about that uh, the week before that. So I wasn't asking the question at this point, but we were walking and she was um, letting me know. We had one of, the, one of my kids, grown kids with four kids, is remodeling their kitchen. So they say, hey, can we move in for two weeks? So thank you for laughing because there's no two-week, there's no such thing as a two-week kitchen remodel, right? <laughs> it, it, if it's two months, you're feeling, anyway, come on in. So they're in our house. It's wonderful. It's wonderful chaos, like my quiet life. It's uh, so she's giving me feedback on the way I speak. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about me and something that I said that uh, communicated something to one of them that I wouldn't want. So it's basically me process. Now watch me defend myself for a second. I'm I'm, I'm processing out loud and talking about these things I got to do. Okay, not ne- they didn't need to hear that. But what it communicated to them is, dad or grandma, too busy. That's not what I want to communicate, but, but, but that's the message that came out. So she just let me know that. How bad is that? I got down, I was like, we could not walk. She's like telling me, I can feel it. She's like, and so I'm telling her why. You know, I gave the saddest defensive description of why I did that. They're like, oh, woe is me. And you think the world was coming to end on you? And it's like, and it got really quiet after that in the rest of our walk. And she didn't say, what? Just notice how kind she is in this. And I'm walking along. For, it was, I don't remember. I mean, I remember where we walk inside. It was a long time. It was quiet. And, I, and the Lord just convicted me. I'm like, she's being kind to me to bring up something that I'd want to know. I wouldn't know that if she didn't tell me. She's not against me. Now, I hadn't asked her explicitly, but I had the week before, you know. But she's basically telling me something. I was totally unaware of it. Why did she do that? She wants to knock me down. No, she loves me. She loves our kids. She'll, I wouldn't have known. So I just, I just stopped and I said, oh, hon, I'm sorry. And, I, and just like I said, I just confess, I'm selfish. And, and like I just said to you, because I would say those are realizations of the Lord. That's all. That's why she did. And I asked her to forgive me. It was just like, and thanks for being patient with me, not stopping. And she didn't fire back at me as she could have and been justified in doing I'm pretty self-reliant, too much so, but I want his kingdom to reign and rule in my life. So what that means is I won't do it perfect a lot of times. 
When I say repent, it's like turning back to him. That's okay. That's good. You will never do it, and you won't care to do it if the Holy Spirit's not in you. The Holy Spirit's the one that actually produces a humility. Otherwise, all I got is my pride, and I'm going to put that out there. But so listen, when you fail, that's okay. When you see it, that's good. You would not see it or care about it if it's not the Holy Spirit in you showing you that. And that's how his kingdom wants to come. So we say, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's not just this high and mighty thing, Jesus, come back. It's in my marriage, in my workplace, in my life. That's where we want it to be, right? That's where we need it to be. And that's how he's seen. That's what Three Oaks needs. It's gospel people like that. They are not, they're not the perfect image of Jesus, but they walk with him. They're able to confess their sins, their weaknesses, because it's in our weakness in these jars of clay where he's magnified. That gives hope to people. They can come in too. And we all need it. All right, I've got to wrap this up. So again, I, if I'd say the main idea here, it's, it's um, you don't need, you don't need to be anxious about taking care of yourself because your father... You know your Father cares for you. Gives us all these illustrations. But the response is this, that we would desire God's kingdom and way of living above all. Just ask him. That's a seek first. Ask him. It would be an honest prayer to even say, Lord, I want to want this. That's okay to pray that. Again, because he does it. You just keep asking him honestly, and he does it. All right, so what's this mean in real life? I don't know if you can... Uh, so I'm going to go back to one of the first questions I ask. Does, uh, does anxiousness reveal what I really care about? I think there's a, I think there's a thread there that's it's worth paying attention to. Um, what I value and trust might, might, uh, might be a master of me. But do this, friends. Ask the Holy Spirit's help. When I say repent, I don't know if you, do you use that word much? Okay. So you get that concept. It's turning away from this thing to the Lord and turning hard. Why does Jesus say to seek God's kingdom first in his righteousness? I mean, he could simply, in this whole thing, if this was all about worry, he could simply have left it at, your father knows what you need, he'll provide for you. He gives the illustration, but he doesn't, st- he doesn't leave there. He, he calls us to seek his kingdom. So you could say it's an antidote for worry. Sure, it's that. I think that's a, that, that's a fruit of it, but I think there's something bigger. And this is, this is the cup-shaking thing. The problems that lead us to worry, friends, they're actually opportunities to talk with our Father. We have to see them that way. I would say it's God's kindness to put a roadblock and an obstacle for me. The problem for Jeff Dryden is I start trying to figure out what to do and strategize about it, which is self-reliant. Reframe it in your mind. This thing right here, whatever it is right now, hear that as God's call to you to seek him. That's his kindness. It's not bad. It's a good thing. Uh, We definitely don't want our righteousness to be that like the Pharisees. That's all pretense in it. And this promise, this command comes with a promise. And all these things will be added to you. I'll leave it there and let's pray. Jesus, again, I ask this simple thing. It's simple, but it's, it's what we need. I, I ask that you would take your word and it would find a home in our hearts.
You know each one here, and we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, that you would accomplish your good work in us as you intend to do. In the name of Jesus, our King and our Savior, amen.